I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-Minute Parenting Podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. Recently, uh, there was a question about 11 and 12-year-olds kissing that came in on my weekly radio slot on News Talk FM, and it prompted a slew of contact and questions from parents who were reaching out to share that they had felt shocked that kids this age were interested in kissing. I had one dad in particular who said he had listened to this and expected that I was going to say, oh my goodness, no, 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 that's far too young, there's something wrong here. And instead, you know, I didn't say that. As any of you who listened to that that week's um, parenting slot heard, instead I was pointing out that, you know, 11, 12 years old, particularly that kind of 12 to 15 year old age group, that that is a very normal time for sexual curiosity to peak, for sexual exploration and for, you know, curiosity about kissing and first experience and crushes to emerge. So that 12 might be, you know, around the younger age of that and 15 somewhere around the upper age, but anything in that that swing is perfectly healthy and normal and that the best way to approach it was certainly never to ban you cannot go out with anyone you cannot kiss boys or girls or whatever it is but to approach it in a non-shaming curious engaging way and see it as the invitation to grow your sexual conversation about sex, about consent up with your child. And this dad had um, messaged me to say that his own daughter, who was now nine and a half years old, and he felt gosh, I, I listening to you and how you explained that I felt very underprepared for this type of development with her. I still look at her and see a very young child. And he was asking me what is normal in the years ahead like what should I expect what's normal and I I get asked that a lot you know what's normal for this age and what's normal for that age and the reality is there's no neat answer to that one because it's about what is normal for your child or your family rather than normal for all children and all families but I thought this topic might be worth talking about here in terms of some general talk about tween development, that concept of tween years. You know, I, I've, you know, I've written a book about middle childhood because I often think it's quite complex and certainly more complex than people developmentally give it credit for. And it tends to be far less discussed than early years and teenage years. We tend to catapult over those middle years. And, you know, when eight to 12 is middle childhood, specifically when we're talking about the tween years, I would see that as between 10 and 12 years old. And just that term tween, you know, it's it's again part of what feels like a more modern parenting vernacular. But the term tween actually comes from obviously the English language preposition between to indicate a position in the middle of two extremes. But in this context of child development, it's also intended to bring to our minds the fast approaching teenage years. I do think it's a relatively new term in parenting and developmental language and you know really if if I'm being honest I think it stems from marketing efforts to preteens mostly girls um, to establish them as a niche group to market to and market towards but it has crept in and we tend to see it as this new other stage of development within middle childhood and it feels like just as you've had that gotten and developed and handle on parenting through middle childhood there's this curveball 
of those tween years that comes in. And it presents itself, you know, in that classic way of emotional and behavioral changes. And those changes are evident in both boys and girls at this age. But I actually do think they are more pronounced in girls who tend to display more overt volatility in their moods from kind of 10, 11 years onwards. Um, some children, you know, seem to become pseudo-adolescent overnight. You you put your nine-year-old to bed and they wake up and they're 10 years old and all of a sudden they're acting like they're 18. And you're wondering, oh my goodness, what happened? Where did my little girl or boy go? And look at this now, how do I handle this? But other 10-year-olds are still playing with their toys, still in imaginative play, still looking to dress up at this age. There is nothing wrong with either of those behavior patterns. And that's what I mean by there's no neat answer to what is normal or not normal for this age. This is about how quickly the hormones are kicking off in some children over others. So while we see this age group, you know, develop a capacity to better understand and manage their emotional states, they now have strong mood swings that can derail them in this regard. So as their middle childhood phase of development was moving, they may well have been, you know, doing okay with behavior stuff. And you could see that maturity coming in from, you know, leaving early childhood, seven years old and entering into middle childhood. Now that they have this hormonal surge, you can see some regression almost in this regard. Physically, they're also changing or not, and either of those can be stressful. Um, and they're trying to manage all of this physical and emotional change, along with the regular day-to-day -day stresses and developmental expectations of simply being a middle childhood age child. You might also notice, though, as the tween years creep in, that they are drawn to older children, teenagers in particular, both in real life um, and those they seek to emulate from online influences and YouTubers and things like that. That They begin to mirror uh, behaviors. They want to dress like them, look like them. And you may notice a shift in attitude about the type of clothes they're now prepared to wear or they judge what you buy them. And suddenly they're going, I'm not wearing that. You can't send me out in that. Here's what I want and they also begin to you know express more desire in terms of styling their own hair and the type of music they choose to listen to really getting into exploring their own identity and again that's healthy and normal at this stage but can be really challenging as a parent to work your way through I think though the best response you can have as a parent is encourage this expression and exploration phase as best you can within your parental boundaries. Purple hair, for example, may not be appropriate for school, but perhaps a temporary spray on color can be allowed during school holidays. So you're beginning to enter the compromise world, that art of compromise and negotiation. I understand that you want to experiment and express yourself in ways that are different to the rest of us in your family and establish yourself in your own identity. And I anticipate this is going to move up a notch in adolescent years, but the parental boundaries are, no, we're not going to dye our hair neon colors during school because it's against school rules. But you know what? Let's give it a go with temporary sprays and have fun with it during school holidays. So I'm acknowledging what you need, not in all of those words. That was that was for us adults, our benefit. But I'm able to say, look, of course you want to do that. That would be so much fun. Obviously, we can't do it at school, but let's do it here. That way, your, your tween child is saying, OK, you understand that I'm actually growing up and I want to try out new things and you're supporting me in finding the best way forward in doing that. And, you know, similarly, a certain type of 
outfit or dress may be expected at school or even family events but perhaps in you know free weekend time they can absolutely choose their own outfits and try not to get too head up about what they wear and how it looks to other people what's really important is that you create a space for freedom of expression and exploration of identity here because it's key to my development so it's a case of not no so much as not now and that's going to be really helpful for you as you move forward because in this early tween stage you know 10 11 years old they're still at that age of parental command when they may well resist your authority but they can accept that you are the adult in charge you know they're showing themselves at this age to be even cognitively much more capable of complex thoughts formulating detailed opinions and certainly not afraid to show and share those with you as well but it's a great time as a parent to get to know who your child is becoming what excites them, what worries them, what thrills them, what interests them, what is their desire, who do they see themselves as, and what is their view of the world outside of them and people around them. You know, invite them to join in with conversations about world events, things happening in your locality, your community, and do this playfully. You know, I'm always going to say that to you, playfully engage them by wondering, what decisions would they make if they were a world leader of a given country that might be featuring in the news? I'm, you know, thinking at the moment of the US election and it was just everywhere on all news outlets. So all children were exposed to it. And a fun way to do your 15 minutes of play at this age is to engage in that imaginative wondering type of play and say, well, what if you were elected president or what if you were running a presidential campaign? How would you have done it the same or differently? And what do you think about it? So that you're, and don't judge what they do. Okay, you're inviting their opinions. So don't judge what they want to say, but you could encourage them to substantiate those opinions as they express them by gently bringing them deeper into that thinking and feeling process with something like, oh, you know, that's a really interesting way to think about it. I wonder why you think that would happen or why that would be a good solution to this problem or what else might need to happen. So I, I think that that's a nice way to start to play with this. Um, also hold in mind, just because I'm 10, 11, 12 years old and in my tween years and I'm beginning to get interested in, in things like, you know, boys or girls or kissing or having crushes, developmentally, I still need to play and be played with. And I think we often, I still hear that in feedback, by the way, you know, that, oh, I think some of the play is a little young for my child at this age. Actually, it's developmentally matched, but we have to get comfortable in seeing our children as needing that playful engagement from us. They, they definitely show, you know, and I've again, I, I work with a lot of kids this age. I think they show a keen interest in playing and the type of play certainly might shift. You know, they enjoy team sports, but also individual activities like cycling, skating, roller skating, scooters, that kind of thing. Things that basically require increased skill and effort. And we can praise that effort that they're making as they master, you know, the, the new task or a new challenge within that. But of course, it's also a time when digital based devices come in and you know they want to make TikTok videos and they want to look at YouTubers and 
I think rather than trying to judge and say it's not good for them or worrying about that, try to express some interest in what interests them. Oh, you really like watching this person on YouTube. Can I sit with you and watch a bit of this and get to know what it's about? And talk to me about what you really like about this. And you love TikTok. You know, can I help you make that video? Is there something that I can do? Can you show me some of the videos um, that you've made? I think this is about getting in sync with your developing child and not to be afraid of that development. And that was my advice to this dad who'd reached out to me going, gosh, I feel so underprepared for all of this that's coming my way. I had no idea that this change would come so fast. Is that, you know, you get prepared by trying to stay in sync. And if you're out of sync, getting back into sync with your child. Keep your 15 minutes of playful connection active every day. And that, you know, you can do it by, you know, what if you were running the world? That's a nice way of doing it. You can do it by sharing a TikTok ex experience with them or looking at YouTube, but also games like um, we went on a picnic, you know, where everyone takes a turn. We went on a picnic and we brought maybe you say a food or a play item, cheese, eggs, a frisbee, a beach ball or whatever it is. And each player then, you know, repeats what's been said before for them and adds an item on and you go go keep going down that and it gets more and more complex and challenging and it's the challenge aspect that actually keeps them engaged with this but it's also collaborative so I would say start that game with we went on a picnic rather than I that's a small change that just cues them that it's a collaborative thing not competitive but also activities I think it's why this age group are so drawn to things like TikTok videos and making TikTok videos is that activities that embody rhythm and synchrony always remember they activate those subsystems of the developing brain associated with emotional regulation and that is exactly why they are so effective at repairing a ruptured connection if you you know if you're falling out or getting out of sync or just getting on each other's nerves or getting frustrated and I think it's really important for this middle childhood brain that's changing so much and you're going to really start witnessing some pretty impressive mood swings here. So the types of games that are really good for helping that regulation outside of just TikTok videos would be clapping games. You know, A Sailor Went to Sea, Miss Mary Mac, you know, the cup game, um, playing ups and downs with cups so that you actually can do it with the two of you. Or if there's more people at home, develop, uh, set up teams and you have an equal number of uh, paper cups and they're turned up and down and then you put on a timer and the up team tried to turn all the cups up and the down team tried to turn them all down and when the timer goes you say okay how many who wins is how many whichever team has the most up or the most down cups at the end of it it's really playful there's a lot of rhythm to it there's a competitive aspect um, and it's a really exciting engaging game all of those activities and you can make a clapping game like, you know, a sailor went to sea, much more complex depending on your child's ability. But I think that it's 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 all about stretching that connection as far as you can within a playful lens. Because just because I'm growing up and I'm beginning to show you signs that my world is expanding and I'm experimenting in things and I'm not really your little child anymore. That doesn't mean I don't need you and it doesn't mean that I don't need to be played with and to have that playful connection with you. Honestly, that playful connection is something that's going to remain a requirement 
throughout my growing up and developing. So don't abandon it in middle childhood. Don't see that they're they're not into imaginative play or creative play or having fun with you. They are. We just have to find creative ways that are developmentally appropriate that ensure that play and playful connection remains possible and remains inviting. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-minute parenting.